Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. What is the church? Is it a building? A Sunday gathering? Christ calls the church to be a movement. If the church is still, it is dead. But the Christian life is dynamic, a movement, bringing the gifts of God to the world he loves. This is a journey of transformation and becoming that never ends. So go and make disciples of all Amen. We're part of a movement. If you look at the front of your bulletin, you almost feel like you're moving, don't you? We're off. We're going. Friends, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians as we begin this series looking just at the beginning of the letter of 2 Corinthians. And as you open your Bibles, let me greet the, uh, the worshipers who are in the Fellowship Hall space today as uh, we're providing your teaching right now, and uh, grateful that you're here with us worshiping today. So friends, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Hear now the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would settle your living word in our hearts, that we would know you, love you, and trust you wholly and find you wholly true. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love to be comfortable, don't you? Especially uh, when it's cold outside. I love the kids mentioned a comforter. Ooh, I almost just felt it right there. Heated seats were once reserved for limousines in New York City. I've had two cars now with heated seats. And let me tell you something. I like them. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Especially when it's uh, bitter cold. I like my favorite chair. I like my favorite place to sit. I like my favorite shoes, my favorite sweater, my favorite belt. I like comfortable things, right? I'm not sure that comfort is all that good for me, though. 
Some of my favorite memories come from times when I was supremely uncomfortable, like skiing with my son Jack a few years ago in Steamboat when it was negative six. But we remember that day. It had a wonderful time. Or um, the only 14er that I've ever reached the top of, Mount Humboldt a few years ago. My whole body hurt from here to there. But I was happy to be there. Or standing in a river of glacier runoff waters in Alaska with my dad for his 70th birthday this summer. Not exactly comfortable, but worth it. Comfort isn't the only goal, is it? That's not the only thing we're after. Life isn't always about making myself comfortable. It's about reaching for better, for greater. Christianity is a movement. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks, that this is a movement. It's not about finding the most comfortable place and sitting there. It's not about finding the most defensible posture and setting up battlements. It's about bringing the gifts of God to a world that needs them. It's about striving for better. It's about suffering for others, loving for Jesus, becoming, changing, growing. It's about movement. Jesus didn't say sit still. He said go and make disciples of all peoples. When Paul wrote to the churches telling them to stand strong in the faith, he used a verb that Greeks would use to call soldiers into formation for battle. It gives the image image of a phalanx. Come stand together. And if you move, I can move with you. If you don't move, neither one of us can get anywhere. Don't think of it as a static thing. The Christian life is about being part of a movement of God. It's easy to get focused on ourselves. Is that an understatement? It's a tendency to get focused fully on ourselves. We naturally uh, want our own comfort, our own security, our own success. Even as Christians, we can get stuck in our own heads I've read entire Christian books on someone's effort to conquer their selfishness. And you come to the end and think, I'm not sure sure the author ever got out of of their own head here. You know, imagine a self-help book, How I Conquered My Narcissism, (laughs) right? But, But did you, though? Did you? Did you really? It's hard to get out of our own heads, but and escape that gravity, but it happens. It happens when we accept the mission. It happens when we recognize this is not about me, when we realize God has a purpose for us, when we genuinely come into contact with the needs of another, the needs of the world, and we find that God has equipped us to meet them, that's when the spell and the selfish gravity of narcissism is broken, and we see that we are not here so much to find our own comfortable chair, but to bring comfort to the afflicted. Amen? We're on the move. Scholars will say comfort is the theme of 2 Corinthians, and and that makes sense. It's not uncommon in ancient letters to to put the theme of the correspondence in the first paragraph or two, and Paul uses the word comfort and its variations ten times in this opening paragraph. 
Paul's been through a lot with these people in the few years that he's known them, and comfort was called for. Paul had planted the church with the help of a ministry couple named Aquila and Priscilla and his faithful disciples, Timothy and Silas. You can read about that in Acts chapter 18. But from the time the church began in Corinth, there was big trouble. The culture in Corinth was not like the culture of the Judeo-Christian mindset. And First and Second Corinthians are full of the most difficult pastoral and moral and ethical questions you could imagine meeting as a leader. Corinthian culture itself was famous for being full of all kinds of unrestrained pleasures. It was kind of a free-for-all culture, a drink-till-you-pass-out, party-till-you-drop kind of a place. It really was. And so it was hard to get people to see that there's a better life than that in Jesus. It was hard to get people to see that there's a better life in Jesus. And once there was a little community established to believe that and we're trying to pursue it together, well, then it was hard to protect that little community because all of the values of the world around them would creep in. See, we all carry a little bit of the world's values in us, and we have to be careful when we enter the community that we don't let our worldly patterns influence the body instead of letting the health of the body change the patterns of our hearts. Paul was forced to say some direct and corrective things to this little community of faith. It's forced to address issues that are hard to talk about, to draw lines that made people uncomfortable. But they had responded well. They had addressed the problems. And now it was time for a letter of comfort to renew their strength and encourage them on their mission to reach that city for Christ. And even as they receive comfort from this letter, we recognize that they're not just to receive that comfort, but to carry that comfort on to those around them. And this becomes a movement, a movement. So then a few things to say about comfort from this opening paragraph of 2 Corinthians. Number one, comfort comes from God. Verses 3 and 4, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Friends, we do not know or pursue or seek to please a heartless God. We are not, I must say, as those who would drive trucks into markets or strap bombs to children in some uh, perverse attempt to please a bloodthirsty and angry deity. No, no, no. We know God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, the God of all compassion, a God who sends his son to end suffering, not to impose it, who sends his son to take suffering onto himself, not to inflict it on others. This is the God we know in Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort. And praise God. He comforts us, it says, in all our troubles. Note that, not some of our troubles, what? All of our troubles. 
There is not anything that you will face where God will not be there, will not be present with you. Comfort pours into our hearts from God. Our, our English word comfort, it means with strength. And in Greek, the word is periklesis, which means to come alongside and help. There is not a trouble or a trial that you face alone. God is with you, alongside you, to bring strength to help. Warren Wearsby says, we must not think of comfort in terms of sympathy because sympathy can weaken us instead of strengthen us. God does not pat us on the head and give us a piece of candy or a toy to distract our attention from our troubles. No, he puts strength into our hearts so we can face our trials and triumph over them. That's the comfort of God. God is a God of comfort. Number two, our suffering has purpose. Paul says, to give thanks to God, the Father of compassion, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that, comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can, what? comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. See, when Paul talks about troubles, this is not a man who's waxing philosophical. Paul knew trouble. He knew suffering. Paul knows affliction. Here's a guy who had everything going for him, top education, noble family, ticket to success, and then he got knocked off his high horse, literally, by Jesus, and everything changed. Paul was, Paul was beaten. He was chased out of cities, the subject of riots. He was shipwrecked, stoned, lied about. I mean, this guy knew suffering. Paul was one of the most afflicted men in all of history, but he testifies that he also was among the most comforted. Paul believed his suffering had a purpose. He saw his suffering not only as personally beneficial, but also beneficial for those around him because, hear me now, to experience God's comfort in suffering is to be equipped to communicate that same divine comfort to all those around you in their afflictions or distress. See, there's a difference here. The Bible never says we'll avoid suffering by following Christ. In fact, it says the opposite of that. We share in the sufferings of Christ. Just as the world hated Jesus, so it will hate those who represent Jesus. But our suffering has a purpose. Jerry Bridges wrote, there is no such thing as pain without a purpose in the life of a believer. A life lived without God in, in, in spiritual darkness comes into suffering and asks, why me? If it's all up to fate, if it's just chaos and random chance, then why me? Why should I suffer this and not the one next to me? Why me? But a life lived with God, walking with Christ knows there is purpose in suffering. A life with God comes to a season of suffering and trial and asks, what for? 
What for? I, I wonder what purpose this all might have. I wonder how God might use this suffering of mine one day to shape me, to make me able to bless those around me, to bring glory to his own name. What for? See, the Bible doesn't say we'll avoid suffering. What it says is this. The deeper the suffering, the deeper the divine comfort you receive, the deeper the comfort from God, and the deeper the faith. Meaningless suffering is not a part of it. One of my good friends, a pastor mentor, was diagnosed with prostate cancer in his late 50s. And he said to me as we talked, Tim, it really is kind of a, a blessing. It's hard, but it's kind of a blessing, he said. I said, how do you mean? Well, he said, for almost 30 years I've been a pastor coming to hospitals and clinics and sitting to pray with friends fighting cancer. Finally, for the first time, I understand what they were going through. And that brings us to the last thought. Number three, comfort does not end with us. God's comfort poured out never terminates with the one comforted. Not if we're faithful in God's economy. God's comfort pours through us. We're not reservoirs, but channels of comforts we receive from Jesus. Look again at verses 6 and 7. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. See, none of God's comforts terminate with us. If we're comforted in distress, well, that's good. Now I can comfort you. Now, if I'm already comfortable and I get comfort, well, that's good because I can comfort you. The comfort never ends with us. It's not to flow to us, it's to flow through us. This passage doesn't see comfort ending with the one receiving comfort. It seems to say that the comfort we receive, which of course helps us and changes us and, and guides us in our lives, that comfort from God is meant to flow on through us and into the life of someone else. We're on a mission here. We're on a movement here. This is a bring-it-to-you kind of operation. I know you need the comforts of God. I need the comforts of God too. But this isn't about getting to the most comfortable spot and camping there. This is about seeking and finding comfort in Jesus Christ, then feeling that comfort flow through us and into those who need it even more than we. You know, when you feel that the comforts of God have ceased flowing into your life, you might look around and, and check to see, am I attached, am I connected to someone who needs comfort? Maybe I've become a, a terminal point, you see, when in fact I'm meant to be a conveyance and the comforts of God will flow through me to those around me Oddly, one of the greatest comforts we receive is when God enables us to be used to bring comfort to another. 
Paul will say later in the letter, we are ambassadors of Christ. All of us are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, representing a kingdom in heaven, a very real kingdom of which we are very real citizens. And we come representing that to the world. That's why we're a movement. And if this is a movement, we need to move. Carry with you the message of comfort. Go with God's comfort in your life and find a way. It might not be that far away where you can connect with someone in deep need of the comforts of God and see if you can't pour out some of what you know of Jesus into their life. It's a great challenge. It's a worthy mission. It's the kind of movement that's worth being a part of. Let's pray. Lord, we so need and desire your grace and your life and your love and your comfort in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you don't just pat us on the head and send us on our way and but you bring strength, you stand with, you walk beside. So Lord, as we feel your strength, help us never to neglect to understand that you've poured your comforts into our lives that we might bring comfort to the afflicted. Keep our eyes open and keep our hands open and our hearts that we can connect with those who need your love and comfort even more then perhaps we do. And use us, Lord, to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.